Knox Game Design. November 2020. Raspberry Pi Arcade. Welcome everyone to Knox Game Design for November 2020. So this month is going to be a little bit different. We're not going to be talking about making games, but we're going to be talking about the Raspberry Pi and specifically uh, a Raspberry Pi Arcade. How you can use a Raspberry Pi, which is a small little electronic device uh, that simulates a, a full-blown computer, and how to use that in order to make a like a, a game system, kind of like a little console joystick. So you can either play emulated games or play some maybe some of your own games so this is the original one that i built right here uh is made with a cookie tin and you can see inside this is the uh the actual raspberry pi raspberry pi one right there model b it's all wired up to the different buttons on the back so this one has four buttons and a joystick on top so it works out pretty well yeah, so the first build that I did of the Raspberry Pi Arcade was in 2014. I believe at that time I just uh, had the basic Pi, and I actually used like a, a sandwich carton <laughs> to, to hold the buttons and the joystick at the time. Then I rebuilt it in 2016 using the cookie tin and, and made it a little bit more, I guess, professional, better looking. Uh, but it was the Raspberry Pi 1, the original, which I think was like $35 at the time. Uh, the Model B, which had like uh, wired networking, had USB ports for your keyboard and mouse, which uh, is good to use to get things set up, but eventually use this pin layout to wire those to your buttons and your joystick. And here's just another picture of it right here. Uh, I did spray paint. Uh, the cookie tin right here, and I think it was actually sprinkling at the time. That's why it has, it has that little bubbly effect, which is actually sort of cool. But just another picture right here of how uh, the buttons are wired up and everything in the back and the joystick. So here's a video that I took a little bit earlier uh, showing this in action, how it actually hooks up and everything. So there's the box right there, the Raspberry, original Raspberry Pi. Model B, and you just take it. You can see the SD card there that holds your operating system and your games and things like that. So you just plug in your HDMI cable right there that goes to your television. Then you plug in a power supply. It's like a regular power supply that would go into your phone, things like that. I think it's like five volt, one amp. Is I think that's to recommend. But it's all Linux based, so you can see like a standard Linux boot up screen right here and. For this one, I actually had like a little script uh, where you could either push the yellow button for MAME, the MAME emulator, or the uh, the white button for Scratch. So this does run Scratch games. I developed that Honey Bear game. So if you select the white button, then you press the left blue button to submit that, then it will bring up a graphical interface with Scratch, which is what you're seeing right here. Uh, so yeah, this Honey Bear game was just a simple game, and I've demoed this. I think it was like at the Emory Place block party I had this, and demoing this game, uh, and also at the uh, 2018, the CreepyCon event, I think we also had this here, but it's a little simple game that you can create in Scratch. It, it has uh, these honey honey jars that fall from the sky, and then you can move the little bear left or right using the joystick, so it's pretty simple. 
uh, game that anybody can make, but it works pretty well with the uh, Raspberry Pi. I remember uh, one problem at the gaming convention while I was demoing this. Seems like the Raspberry Pi would frequently time out, so that's something that I was going to look into eventually, see if there's a way to keep that from timing out. But you can see over here the graphical interface, uh, how you can create a Scratch game, and I did do a presentation on Scratch. I think it was about a year ago, so if you go back and look in the Knox Game Design archives uh, in 20, around November 2019, October, you can find uh, more about Scratch. Uh, so the basics, so on your joystick, let me see if I can pull up the full camera again. So your joystick... right here if you can see the the top right there that has five different wires going in there there's a uh a red an orange a yellow and a green it's kind of like rgbiv or the resistor color codes and then there's also a, a brown so the brown is your ground so each one of those wires each one of the colored wires red uh orange yellow and green represent up down left and right so you get eight directions, uh, eight directions of movement because you can have up and right and down and left and and things like that. Then the ground has to go to a ground pin. So all those wires go to one of. There's this set of pins here at the very top, right here. It's kind of hard to see, uh, but each of those pins goes to one of these pins right here, and. Uh, yeah, I got them connected. So the first time that I did this, I just used electrical tape, which does okay. You just got to make sure that it doesn't fall apart. And the second one that I did, I actually sorted the wires together, which works a lot better. Make sure they don't fall apart. Uh, the original Raspberry Pi did use a regular SD card. And I think in one of my tips that I, that I mentioned later on, uh, that you got to watch out for with the Raspberry Pi 3, it, I think it's a micro USB. There's a micro and mini, I believe, but I think it uses a micro. So if you've got the newer Raspberry Pi, make sure you get a micro and not a standard SD card. Uh, but yeah, it has audio on the side and... Uh, and the USB port, so you can put in a mouse and keyboard. But I once I have the joystick and everything configured, then I just don't connect the mouse and keyboard anymore. Uh, but yeah, that's basically it for this one. Uh, I guess it's worth mentioning each button has like two wires that goes into it. One goes to a pin, a GP, it's called GPIO, which I can't remember what that stands for, but it's actually a, a numbered pin, a numbered GPIO number. Then the other one goes to ground. And one tip is you can have multiple ground wires go into one ground pin, which I'll, I really took advantage of that in the second one that I built. Go back. So yeah, they can be combined together. Uh, so the first thing you want to do is install the operating system on the Raspberry Pi. And I mentioned a little bit later, but I have a tool to do that. Uh, and you can download the operating system from, uh, I think I just got one from Adafruit. Uh, or you can install Raspbian. Raspbian is fairly standard. Um, but yeah, there's different types of operating systems that you can install on that SD drive and you actually flash that, they call it flashing, like downloading and installing it on your actual SD card. Um, and there's also some software I'll talk about in a little bit, 
how to convert your joystick and button presses into uh, emulated key presses. So here's the second one that I built and I'll show it. So yeah, this is kind of the same idea, another cookie tin. I didn't paint this one because this one had a cool gold pattern already. So I think it's really cool. It's like the original Legend of Zelda boxes. Uh, but this one does have six buttons on it. So it's more like a an SNES layout. It doesn't have an L and R. But you got your, like, your A and your B and your X and your Y. Then you got to start and select up here. And it's using the same joystick right here. Now here's one tip that I did learn from, from building the first one. You don't need to drill a hole big enough for this ball to go through because the ball, if you move it counterclockwise, the ball comes off the top. I guess everybody knows this, but uh, it's like a standard joystick. So you only need a hole big enough for the little shaft to go through. Then it's got this little cover right here, which is nice because it covers up the sharp edges of that. Then you can just uh, screw this back on. Now the one thing that I haven't figured out yet, and I have this in, my, in, in a future slide, is uh, I need a hole big enough for, in, like in the back, for the HDMI and the power cable to go through. So I'm not sure how to actually make a hole for that and not have like sharp edges around the side. Um, I may be able to use like some plumber's putty or something, but I don't think that that's gonna look good. I mean, I need something to like, cover the sharp edges of that. Cause if I'm gonna demo one of these like at a convention, then uh, I don't want people accidentally touching that and like cutting their finger and everything. And I do have a note <laughs> in here as well. When I have like had these, uh, on display people will treat these like a real arcade stick and they will bang on it and mash it and, and everything else and i i've had to fix like one of these just because of the like how forceful people use these so that's just something you got to be aware of i mean if you build something like this for yourself uh you take real good care of it but when you put something out there for other people to use expect the worst <laughs> expect banging and mashing and hitting and things like that uh so yeah i built this one in uh, summer 2019 raspberry pi model b raspberry pi 3 model b uh the one a couple of advantages of this one is it does have wi-fi so in the first one, I actually had to plug in the networking cable. This one does have Wi-Fi, so you can do things like connect to it using SSH and FTP without plugging it into wired. But I think when you're first setting it up, I think you, well, maybe not. If you put the USB in, I think you can, uh, you actually have to go in and use this thing called Raspi Config, and then you can enable Wi-Fi. So I don't even think you have to connect wired at all this but it, i believe it does have a a wired port if you choose to use that uh, it does have wired four usb ports for either a keyboard and a mouse and the hdmi output but it's kind of the same thing where uh you do let me switch back you do have the pins at the top your gpio pins and uh so that's where all your uh 
all your wires for the different buttons go into. Here's the back of it right here. So it's the same thing. You got five wires going into your joystick and two for each of the buttons. And uh, each of the buttons and the joystick has a ground. Uh, you got to make sure that it makes sense. So it's like when you press the button, it completes the circuit or breaks the circuit. And that's what registers as a button down or a button up. So here's just another oops. So here's just another picture of what I just showed, the six buttons on the back and picture right there for future reference. Um, so when I first built this one and even the other one, you, you want to make sure the first step is just to get your operating system installed and your emulators, whatever working with just a keyboard or a keyboard and mouse. Then after you got that working, then you can go and make your case and start wiring the buttons and the joystick and everything like that. And it is kind of interesting because with the GPIO pins and even the case itself, uh, it does allow you to be a little bit creative how you design this. Like you can pick wherever you want to put your buttons and you just got to make sure your buttons are spaced far apart enough so that there's room that wires aren't like conflicting with each other. And you just got to make sure you have enough space. I have had some problems where the joystick bottom is a little bit big, so you can't make, got to make sure it's not too close to the buttons or anything like that. Uh, but I'll talk a little bit about how I laid that out in a little bit. Uh, here's a video that I made a little bit earlier showing the new, the second build uh, working right here. So you can see with the joystick here, there's four screws that hold the joystick into place. And the individual buttons, I just make a one-inch diameter uh, hole using a drill. And the bu buttons, you just push right in and they snap in. So here I've got the uh, power hooked up and also the HDMI. And here it is booting up. On the television so this one has RetroPie installed uh, which I think I'm not sure if this runs on top of Raspbian or if it's its own little operating system but I got all this off Adafruit and I have the links at the end so if anybody wants to make a similar build you can use those links and create create your own if you choose to do so but yeah it has emulators for a bunch of old consoles like NES, Nintendo Entertainment System, Super Nintendo, and I got some ROMs on here. So it's got games to play and you basically just copy your ROMs over using FTP or you can just, I think, copy them over. I, can't, I don't know if you can copy them over uh, using USB or not, but uh, it's got like a little menu here where you can scroll through all your games using your uh, joystick. So the one that I'm going to show off here is Legend of Zelda, which I really needed a cameraman for this because I was holding my cell phone camera in one hand then trying to play it with the other hand. Uh, but you can see here, it just takes a second to load up. And, and the emulation is really good. It looks great. The sound sounds like the original game. I mean... So yeah, the, the two buttons at the top are the start and select, and then I think the green, what is it, yellow and red are the A and B buttons. 
So yeah, just press start, and yeah, there it is. Legend of Zelda up and running on the Raspberry Pi 3 Model B. Like I said, it's a little bit hard to play with one hand <laughs> right here. A little bit hard to pick up the sword as well. But yeah, it, it works pretty good. Um, like I said, the only issue is like you can't fully put the top on top of the box because there's got to be space for the power supply, the power cord, and the HDMI to go through. So I kind of got to set the top on top of those. But I'll, I'll eventually figure it. Maybe I just need to put... I don't want to put the hole for those on the bottom because then it wouldn't set flat on a table or anything. Yeah, so I just want to show that off first to give people an idea of like what this looks like in action and everything before I start talking about the details of uh, building it. So here's the components. So like I said earlier, cookie tin case. But you, the get, first step is just to get it working without that. Um, then you can build your case after. You could probably use a lunchbox or, or whatever. <laughs> I like the cookie tin case because it's hard and durable. I mean, you could use real wood, things like that. Uh, joystick and buttons. I have the links here to the Adafruit site. I think they may currently be sold out. Let's see here. But yeah, I've always had good experiences. So it's like 14 bucks for the joystick. I think this whole build, I know it's under $100. Uh, but yeah, it, it does require some uh, uh, hookups. Uh, they, they do have like these little clamps and you just have to either use electrical tape or solder these bearings to an end with a clamp. And they used to have the clamps uh, on sale as well. But they got some pretty cool things like glowing buttons. I haven't ever tried the glowing buttons before. <laughs> I usually use these little arcade buttons right here, which are pretty neat. Like I said, it's a one-inch diameter, so you just push it in and the sides of the button just snap into place once you have it uh, in there. So here's one that I haven't used. They come in a little plastic pouch like that. If I can open this. Yeah, so that's what it looks like right there. It's got the two connectors on the back like that. And these sides kind of stick out. And then when you push it through the hole, then they... They push in, then they snap into place, so it holds the button in snugly and just presses in like that. Uh, some other things, which uh, mentioned on the slide here, the jumper wires. I think you can also buy those through Adafruit. But yeah, they're just wires like this. It's kind of like the Roy G. Biv. And it's got these end connectors right here. So these are the ones that can like fit on top of those GPIO pins. Uh, but these won't fit onto the end of the button. There's a different type of connector for that. It's kind of like a little sleeve type connector. 
nobody ever taught me any of this, so I kind of came up with my own name, so I'm sure I'm not using the technically correct names for a lot of this stuff. Um, I did order one of these little boards right here that you can use to, but I didn't use those. Another thing you need is I use these eight, no, it's like number eight screws. This is what I use to keep the, hold the joystick into place. So you'll need those. And also the other, other ends, the other clamps that uh, I can't remember what the name of those are. You also need a power supply. I mean, I think a lot of uh, phone power supplies will work, but it's a 5 volt, 1 amp. And heat shrink tubing. So if you are doing soldering, uh, there's heat shrink tubing, which I didn't know about before, until I started this, but it's really cool stuff. Yeah, so this is the heat shrink tubing right here. Just It's called heat shrink. And I forget what the size that I use. I think these... These work pretty good, the number eight, but you might need a size a little bit better, but bigger. But what we can do is you take one of these and you cut it, then you put each end around one end of a bare wire. Then you take a heat gun and then you heat it up and that this tube will just shrink around those two wires, uh, forcing them together. But you only want to do that after you soldered the wires together. So the soldering is going to hold the wires together, but this kind of just makes it so... The soldering doesn't fall out of place or anything. So here's some more tools that I used. A standard Black & Decker drill. And I have these bits right here, which you can see. I also have them right here. I use these standard bits. These titanium bits, they work pretty good for drilling holes. You'll use those for making the holes for the screws to hold in the joystick into place. And I'm not going to go into all the details of how to do all that. And I'm definitely not going to, I do have a video. I actually live streamed building my second one. So I may put that up as like a time-lapse or a reference or something like that, but I'm not going to go through all that on this, this podcast. Yeah. So here's the, drill that I use to drill the one inch holes and it has this uh, end drill right here circular bit type thing uh, so that's what I use to drill the holes for the button in the top the buttons on the top and also the shaft of the joystick on top but you can replace this top right here and put in the bit for drilling in the holes for the screws to hold the joystick into place This is the heat gun right here. I, I think it's kind of like a, a glorified uh, hair dryer. <laughs> I can't think of hair dryer. Uh, but yeah, you just plug this in, it gets real hot, and you just shoot this at your heat shrink tubing. That tubing will just shrink and, and hold that, that connection into place. Uh, this is a soldering kit that I bought. I had never soldered anything before this, so I thought it was about time that I learned. But yeah, it's pretty it's pretty nice. I think I got this for a hundred bucks or so. But typically I just use the soldering iron, which gets gets really hot, and the soldering material right there. Also did buy an additional package of it. 
in case I need any more. But uh, yeah, it comes with a little stand, so when you're soldering, you, you can prop up your soldering iron while it's hot. And finally, I got two wire cutters and wire strippers. So you just put your your wire in one of these little grooves right here, and you clamp down on it, and then you pull it out, and that will strip the end of the wire. So when you need to connect two of the wires together, then you just do that. You put them in there, and you strip it off. And So the one tip thing, since I'd never sorted anything before, uh, the one thing that I learned is what you want to do is you put you put your two wires together and you kind of make sure they're entangled together really good. And then you take your soldering iron and you heat up those wires. Then you put the sorter on top of it. So when the sorter hits the hot wires, then it will melt. Incorrectly, what I did was heating the sorter itself and trying to get it to drip on the wires. That's the wrong thing to do. So don't do don't be like me. Don't don't do that. You heat the wires and then the wires will melt. Uh, melt the sorter. So yeah, I think that's for the uh tools. Yeah, like I said earlier, you can use electrical tape, but sometimes it doesn't hold the wires together. And also if you're using your Raspberry Pi arcade and if it seems like it's losing key presses and things sometimes one of those wires can actually be touching the tin case and then it will cause a short and then it won't work so i've had i've experienced that before um yeah here's just another picture of the tools that i used up close right here um the only thing like i said it's missing is the the, the clamps that go into the arcade button the wire and the clamps that goes into those so here's a, a computer piece of equipment that I had to use, not necessarily electronic, well, in a way electronic, but this uh, PNY uh, USB hub right here. So it's right here. So it's pretty nice. You can take a, a USB like flash drive and just stick it into there. And then you can plug the other end into your computer or whatever but it's really nice because it has a slot for an sd card and a micro sd card so you can copy files from one you don't have to worry about like moving between systems it, it just uh, does it all for you right here so that's what i use to move the uh image either the raspbian image or um the RetroPie image for the operating system onto either the SD card or the micro SD card, which fits into the Raspberry Pi hard hardware. Um, so I mentioned earlier, yeah, the software, this is where you got to download it. If you want to use RetroPie, uh, just retropie.org.uk download. And they got different versions for the original Raspberry Pi, the 2 or 3, and then the Raspberry Pi 4. I haven't had a 4 yet, but it has some, uh, some documentation on how to use it and everything. And there is another tool called Etcher, which you can get for Windows. And that's what you can use to actually, what they call flash or install 
that operating system onto the SD card or the micro SD card for the Raspberry Pi. Uh, there's a tool called Retro Game, which I don't have a link here, but it's all on the Adafruit site. So that's the tool, that's the software you'll actually use to convert the button presses and joystick movements into emulated key presses. So it's a pretty easy way to uh, get it up and running without having to do any like low-level programming or anything to handle button presses or joystick movements. Uh, once you get it installed, there's this tool called raspy-config. You'll use that to enable your Wi-Fi. And one thing you got to watch out for if you're in America, like me, I think it has a default UK um, keyboard layout. So if you try to press like tilde, like if you're trying to get to your home directory, then you might get a pound symbol. So you want to make sure you go in there and uh, uh, change that. Another tool you want to use, part of the standard Linux operating system, is ifconfig. And you'll use that to get the IP, local IP address of your Raspberry Pi if you want to connect to it to copy files over to it uh, from a PC on your local network onto your Raspberry Pi. <laughs> So I talked a little bit earlier about the GPIO number. So here's the layout. Now I think this is specific for each Raspberry Pi. So if you got a Raspberry Pi 4, then it might be different than this Raspberry Pi 3. But when I first started doing this, I was trying in my uh, retro game configuration, I thought all the pins were like numerically in order. Uh, so sometimes you'll see the pin number, which is just like one, two, three, four, five, six. But what the uh, retro game tool uses is a GPIO number, which is this like two, three, four you see here, and then it jumps to seventeen, then to twenty-seven, then twenty-two, and uh, things like that. And some of these will also show you the ground number, like here on the right side. You can see like pin nine and six. And 14 and 20 are all ground pins. So what typically ends up happening is you'll have uh, more. So for your joystick and all your buttons, you're going to have one that goes to a GPIO number pin. Then you'll have one going to the ground. But you may end up with the case where you have way more wires that need to go to a ground than you have ground pins. So what you can do is you can take all those and like put them all together kind of wrap them together and sort it together or use electrical tape and then you can make that go to one ground pin so i've had success doing that uh, there are some wires that you can get that will like fit directly over to i think that's part of the adafruit default but i haven't had much success because it really limits on how you can the configuration you can use so typically i just have each wire going independently to either a GPIO pin or or the ground pin. But you can see on this image right here, I kind of made some notes how I was going to lay each of these out. Like the Y button for the green goes to these pins and the X goes to these. And, and uh, yeah, it kind of helps when you use the different colored wires so you can keep everything straight. I mean, there isn't any set convention you got to use or anything, but it does help keep things straightened out. Um, so when you got the retro game, you, oh, there's a mistake right there. Put that R right there. You run retrogame.sh to install and configure retro game. Like I said earlier, retro game is what converts the button presses and the joystick movements into key emulated key presses. So you run that. 
and it pretty much sets everything up for you and it gives you a default layout, but you may not want to use its default settings. So you can actually go into um, boot retrogame.cfg. Then you can actually change what left, right, up, down. Uh, and I just use DSWA uh, and enter in space uh, for the emulated key presses. Uh, and then you can actually put next to those the GPIO pin numbers that that's going to activate each of those key presses. So then once you have all that set up, then you can go into the emulation station software and then say, hey, I want a, a, a D to correspond to uh, like a, like the B button or I want up to correspond to uh, what do I have it right here for or something like that. So you got a lot of options on how you configure all that. Uh, so lessons learned. I already talked about some of this. Yeah, you, you don't need to drill a huge hole for your joystick like I did the first time. You can see on my original one, it's, you can tell it was kind of sloppy. And also missed up on the like the pilot hole drills. So you kind of want to lay out where you, the uh, the the holes are for your for your screws because you can see i actually had to drill it again but yeah i did a huge hole that i had to cover it up with like electrical tape right there then i just kind of painted on top of it but it is kind of hard to get these screws back here lined up so you know exactly where to drill the pilot holes for those Oh, and you can also see this was my attempt at drilling a hole in the back for the power cord and the HDMI. But you can, you can see right here, like the tape's falling off and it's got these sharp little edges right there. So I don't, it's not too sharp. I don't think it would cut your finger, but still not very safe. I'll talk about enabling SSH here in a little bit in, in SFTP. Um, talked about using sorter iron to hot heat the iron. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to figure out how to mount the Raspberry Pi onto the case with the shorter screws. Oh, so when you get into your Raspberry Pi, you can go to like a, uh, a standard Linux bash shell, and it may prompt you to log in. The default password is Pi Raspberry. Uh, username Pi, password Raspberry. So if you need to get in there and configure some stuff by command line, use that. You probably want to change the password using PASSWD, I believe. It's like all standard Linux systems. I talked about that. Yeah, and I think you can press start and select in that emulation station software to, uh, to exit an emulated game. At least the way I had it set up. So yeah, this is uh, accessing through SSH and SFTP. So what you want to do is like once you have your Raspberry Pi up and running, uh, run ifconfig and you'll see like a WLAN zero and I'll say inet. Then you'll see the IP address right here. So this will be a, like a local network IP, assuming you're behind a router. And then you can just either open up uh, PuTTY using that IP or... Like I use FileZilla, use FileZilla to connect. Then you can copy files directly there or manage it 
remotely, which is pretty nice. That way you don't have to actually plug in a mouse or a keyboard or anything like that into your router. Probably just power it on, connect to it through SSH, or if you're just wanting to copy some games over or something, SFTP. Now, I forgot the, the folder. I think it's all in like the RetroPie folder where you put all your ROMs and everything like that. So, yeah, I have some old articles from when I first created my first RetroPie. You can find those on my website. I got the links in here. But I kind of go through step by step and I got images of like everything that I used. And yeah, here's the multi slot the package and everything for the USB and the uh, the power cable that I used right there, the HDMI, and what I did to uh, install the operating system and everything. So I got it all documented here for the original Raspberry Pi arcade. And yeah, here's the Raspy config right here. How to how to use that, how to set that up, and give it a host name and set the <coughs> localization options, the language and things like that. And so with the original one, it actually had a graphical operating system. On the the new one that I built doesn't have a graphical operating system aside from uh the emulation station, which really isn't an operating system. But yeah, the original one had MAME on there, so I installed this MAME for all Pi on there, so it would actually kind of play emulated arcade games. And then the second article was about updating that Raspberry Pi, and I believe this was more focused toward the new case that I built. I think some of these pictures were from Instagram, which you no longer load in. Um, but you do see how I got the uh, the scratch and everything running on it right there. So for the show and tell this month, uh, Locksmith Army on our Knox Game Design Discord, he's released his game on Steam. It's called Labyrinth. Uh, so yeah, you can get the, the link off the game show off channel on the Knox Game Design Discord, and it's got it on Steam. Looks like it's uh six nine or nine ninety nine uh, for the early access, and it it looks a lot like a Skyrim fantasy style game. See if I can start it here. So yeah, it looks like you go around this dungeon with your sword and you fight enemies. See if I can turn the sound up. Yeah, so you fight skeletons. Looks like you got health and money and uh, I'm not sure if that's magic or it looks kind of like a stamina meter up here. I guess that's what that is. But yeah, it looks really good what he's done here with the models and the animation and all that. And, I guess if you buy this version when it comes the full releases out, then you'll get the full version. You got lock picking, uh, sort of like uh, Elder Scrolls, Skyrim, and uh, all those types of games. Can rest at the inn, 
I guess that restores your health and energy. Yeah, I guess that's all of that video, but yeah, it looks really good. I know he's been putting a lot of work into this game, so yeah, get check it out if you if you got Steam and looks yeah, it looks like he's got some cool particle lighting effects and scorpions that you gotta fight and upgrading weapons and armor. Looks like he's got some little demon guys here. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, James Butler, yeah, check it out on Steam. Looks like he's got some achievements built in. They released it on November 14th. Uh, it's got controls list listed here. You can get it for Windows 7 or Windows 10. So, yeah, yeah, check out Labyrinth by James Butler. And also, I wanted to show off what I'd been working on over the last... Last few weeks, I haven't done a lot of work on it lately, but this is a Polygot Pelican. So you play Pelican, it gives you a word in English, and you got to like, it's kind of based on number munchers. You base, you eat the words, the foreign words that match um, the word there. So like black, um... Let's see here, Kuro. See, I got Japanese in here three times. Romaji, um, Kanji, and Kana. So I probably need to reduce the Japanese just to one. Um, Schwartz. And I need to add like a practice mode. Because like this Russian, I, I don't know any of them. So I need a way to make it so that if you don't know any of the words, yeah, game over. So you only get three lives. But so here's purple. So I know that's Murasaki. I'm really good. I'm pretty good with the Japanese. But uh, like violet is French. Um, but yeah, the Russian. I, I don't know. I want to have it where I can like limit the viola. That's kind of like violet. Pupura. I do have. Um, um, Latin. So that's what that one is, is Latin right there. Latin, Korean, German, Lila. It's kind of like lilac, Korean. Like, I don't know the Korean ones. So there's green. So, um, green looks like in German, Verde in Spanish. Um, like I said... The Russian, I just don't know. I just have to try and figure it out. And uh, Midori. And Verde. And I don't know what it is. And did I already get the German? Verde. Um, Nero? No. Verde. It'd be nice to know which language I'm missing. Um, I'd be, yeah, nope. Oh, I'm so close. So here's the green again. I think what I need to do is have it show all of the correct answers. That way it'll kind of reinforce it. Okay, here's the ones that you missed. So it's Verde, green... Uh, Verde again. I guess it's Verde in both French and Spanish. So I've got French and Spanish. Uh, Vert. 
and don't know the Russian. Russo. <coughs> I don't know the Korean. Okay, orange. Maybe orange will be a little bit better. Aranthakio. Renji. Renji and Kana. Renji and Ramaji. Renji and Kana. French. It looks like it's just orange. German orange. I'm thinking Russian is that long one. Uh, and an. Anaranjado. And I also need to make it so that the really long words get scaled down because some of them go outside the cells. Um, orange. Rosso. No, that's not right. I think it's one of these Korean ones. There we go. It'd be nice to know which language I'm missing. Murado. Blanco. No. Orange. Don't know. Oh, got it. So next level. So I think there's like five or so that you got to get for each. That's another thing I could do. I could put how many words you got to match. But yeah, I want to kind of have like different difficulty levels. So if you only want to do like French and and Spanish just to start out with. And I also want to do more. Right now it's just colors. I have all of these uh, words stored in the resources word file and that is actually a JSON file so I use the unity C sharp JSON parser to read in uh, all of these different words all these different combinations but yeah I want to have like the days of the week numbers uh, just I don't know different categories like that um, but yeah see if I can find scripts uh, word, word file reader. So it's actually pretty easy. I got this parse file and I just store th that text uh, into a string and then I split it on each line. Oh, maybe, the, yeah, I don't have this in JSON yet. This is just pipe delimited. Yeah. So I guess I had had planned to make this JSON instead of just pipe delimited. So but yeah one neat thing is I was able to just like copy the Korean or the uh, Russian or the Japanese and paste those characters directly in here. And it didn't have a problem. It isn't like you're only limited to the uh, 128 ASCII characters or 256 ASCII characters. I was able to paste that in there and is able to read it into a string object, no no problem at all. So I thought that was kind of cool. But uh, anyway, yeah, that's what I've been I've been working on. Yeah, so that's going to wrap it up for Raspberry Pi Arcade. I want to go back and see if I can actually make a game. Now, I did look into seeing if I could make a Unity game run on the Raspberry Pi. And what it sounds like is you'll have to build like an APK for an Android build. But then there's still some middleware you're going to have to put on the Raspberry Pi to make the Raspberry Pi, because uh, it's ARM-based, and to make it act like an Android device. So I, I just quickly looked into that um, and thought it looked too hard at the time to figure that out. But that's something I do want to look into um, maybe in the future. So it's going to wrap it up for November 2020 and hopefully I'll be back in December 2020 with a, a new topic. I uh, still want to do Allegro and uh, 
some other things like that. So anyway, thanks everyone for listening and watching.